Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the CEO of MyPillow. Cancel culture has not only affected myself and MyPillow, but millions of you out there. My employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you for all of your support. At MyPillow, we not only have pillows, but we have hundreds of products, including my new slippers, bathrobes, sleepwear, and my new beds. We're offering the best gifts ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have this exclusive offer on the standard size MyPillows, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code. We also have the queen size MyPillows, regularly $79.98, now only $24.98 with your promo code. And we have the king size, regularly $89.98, now only $29.98 with your promo code. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code RENEGADE or call 800-889-6817 to receive this exclusive offer. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. When you're invited to take control of the airwaves, your thoughts and opinions are welcome. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to do that. That's 603-283-6160. We're doing the studio tonight. It's Aria. It's Ian. And coming up, we're going to talk about how in Australia, the case numbers seem to not be declining despite all of their lockdown efforts. Their extreme efforts to keep people from traveling, from going outside. They were under 23-hour-a-day lockdowns at one point, and none of it seemed to do any good. Well, obviously, they haven't gone far enough. They need to go further and uh, tie everyone down to a bed. Well, strap them down. The Australian government may, in fact, think that, but <laughs> here in the United States, there tends to be more of a anti anti government leaning. Just even in the most statist, they're generally not as bad as they are in Australia. Hmm. Like in Kansas, we see that they're giving up on their COVID nineteen contact tracing because cases are still climbing and no one seems to care about contact tracing. So. Things look good on this side of the world. Does that mean people aren't going along with it? Meaning that when the contact tracing goons call up and start asking questions, people are hanging up the phone or refusing to answer the questions? It's interesting. Uh, We can get into into the article. But um, we talked about it last night. We never actually got into it. Something that was happening here in New Hampshire that is just more of what we're always talking about, that freedom is here and getting more people well freedom isn't here but the fight for freedom is here Mm -hmm. and getting more people here is a tremendously better strategy toward to achieve liberty in our lifetimes than you know throwing 2.4 percent in a national election at a presidential candidate or something like that the successes we've seen in new hampshire have been phenomenal and i don't remember what all we talked about it last night oh it was the school board member in Derry, yes who is the chairperson yes who is threatening to quit because someone called her a Nazi. <laughs> so right. liberty activist, and th- not that this old man who did this was a liberty activist or anything like that. We don't know what he was. Probably just a local. Probably. He was probably Angry local. A, a Yes, probably born and raised in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. But the people behind this independence drive aren't from New Hampshire, aren't locals. Well, um, some of them are. Are they? I thought all of them were free staters. Not That's even knowledge. more encouraging. 
Yeah, there's, uh, well, I mean, there's seven, I believe, sponsors of this bill, CACR 32, that would propose to put on the ballot a question about uh, declaring peaceful independence from the United States and becoming our own sovereign nation, basically. And it's starting uh, to get new news coverage now, and people are upset. No, not not a surprise at all. But as far as the sponsors were concerned, uh, Mike Silvia and Matt Santanastasso, I know those two are free staters. Two of the, the prime sponsors, but the other five or six or whoever, however many that are signed on there, I don't know those names. And now, I don't know all the free staters, right? Like, sure. So I can't say for sure. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of freedom-loving natives here in New Hampshire, so it wouldn't surprise me if a bunch of the co-signers were natives. There is a strong distrust of the federal government here in New Hampshire anyway. You're yeah. absolutely right. And the Free State Project only lit a fire under that. Yeah, there are a lot of people who... Um, you know, are born were born and raised here in New Hampshire that had been completely dormant, that weren't active in any sort of political manner at all. And then when they came across the Free Staters, the people like you know who moved here to migrate here for the Liberty Movement, when they came across them, that sort of like created this spark uh, inside these New Hampshire natives who had again been dormant. And then all of a sudden, they took an interest in becoming an activist. Um, one good example of this is the gentleman, uh, Bill Barger, who is a New Hampshire native. Uh, he discovered the Free Staters sometime, I think, last year. It's just, you know, I don't know what sure. his story was. He's he's told it before on their, their new show that they do on Monday nights called Free State Live. He's one of the co-hosts. So he, he went from zero to like 100% totally active, involved. And now he's like, you know, part of this video show that they're doing. He does graphic design. So the song sheets that we're going to be handing out at the the rally coming up on Thursday for independence with the New Hampshire National Anthem lyrics on it. He designed those song sheets. I uh, came Very down and cool. I'd, I'd heard he did graphic design. I said, hey, you know, you got time to do some work and I need it kind of in a hurry. And he cranked it out like within 24 hours. So... And he's a New Hampshire native who, before a year ago, was completely inactive. That is an awesome story. But that's what we want to happen, right? We want the people who were born and raised here who actually love liberty, and I think that's a good chunk of the population here, to get excited about freedom again and, and not feel as though you know the liberty is going on a decline and that there's nothing that they can do about it, but to feel like, wow, there's people coming here who think like we do, like who love liberty and they're backing us up and maybe we should help them and we should all get active and work towards more freedom together. On the subject of the New Hampshire national anthem, obviously it's not a national anthem proper, but is that actually well, the New it? Hampshire state anthem? <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, there, I don't think there is a state anthem, uh, at least to my knowledge. When I looked around for a New Hampshire anthem, I did not find anything. There may be some sort of a state song that has been anointed because, you know, they have like a they, state bird and a yeah. state this and a state that. Uh, but uh, when, when we we're looking around, there was actually somebody else in the liberty movement. Uh, Justin O'Donnell had uncovered this at some point. It's an old little song that was written for a political campaign, actually, back in the 1970s. Uh, Meldrum Thompson Jr., who ultimately ended up getting elected uh, as governor and... He uh, just had this little song, and it's really catchy. And so I was asked to do, to consider the possibility of a Jimi Hendrix style rendition of it. So <laughs> I was curious if this was like an actual thing or not. But it's now, a real song. now I remember yeah. the story of you know the 1963 governor. I don't remember all of the details, but yeah, I do remember that Justin O'Donnell, you had mentioned, was the one who found it. And yeah, yeah it was- it's it's catchy, uh, and the lyrics were already pretty good. If you want to see them, you can go to NH Exit. 
Us. There's an article I put up there with the lyrics, and then there's a link to a forum thread where there's a video of the sort of the original song. We truncated it a little bit just to keep it simple, keep it like one verse basically in a chorus. Sure. And uh, made a few minor changes to the lyrics, like taking out any kind of references to the United States or whatever, and well, keeping obviously. it New Hampshire uh, centric. So. Okay. It works. I think it works. I'm not great. sure I've even listened to the song. I'll have to do that. Yeah, I think I think it's going to go over really well, honestly, because what people need is they need to have these old inculcated ideas of the United States and the Pledge of Allegiance and the National Anthem, all these things that have been hammered into their heads that even though they know at some level that the U.S. government is bad, they still say the Pledge of Allegiance or they still you know, stand up with their hand over their heart for the National Anthem. They still have this – there's some sort of you know, programming that is very, very deep because we've all been hit with it for our entire lives in so many different ways. And we need to reprogram people. You know, and and I don't mean to say that in like some sort Let's of manipulative program. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't mean to say that in like some sort of you know manipulative kind of fashion. I mean it's it's going to be obvious. Say we're going to tell them, hey, look, here's the new national anthem. It will present it to them, and replace the old one in your minds with this one, and focus on New Hampshire instead of the United States and the good things it's an about It's an interesting New tactic. I mean, that was essentially a Lester Crowley's whole idea for Satanism was to take. To give people the emblems, the rituals and stuff that they wanted, Mm -hmm. but from a different, more atheistic perspective. Sure. So he recognized the importance of these ceremonies, these traditions to people and how they had a need to continue on with them. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear that happening here in this particular case. Well, we'll see how it pans out. You know, I, hopefully people aren't going to bring U.S. flags to the New Hampshire independence uh, ceremony on Hopefully Thursday. not, but I'm sure there'll be at least one person yeah. and at least one MAGA hat. Yeah, we'll just have to hopefully kindly, you know, talk to them and just say, <laughs> hey, you know, this is an independence rally, right? Here, have a New Hampshire flag. How about that instead? So we've got like hundreds of little four by six inch New Hampshire flags uh, that just came in today. And we've got song sheets with this national anthem printed out. So we're going to sing on Thursday. And that's another thing that helps, uh, you know, very different movements kind of galvanize and come together is is having song together instead of chanting. Sure. Chanting so lame. It's it's so mindless and just it's so common. But how often do you see people singing at a protest or a rally or something like that? It's not very common. True. So. I think it was Ron Paul who said something to the effect of if you want to actually have a revolution, you need two things, young people and music. Mm. I think he specifically said rock music, but I don't recall at this point because this was, I don't know, 20 years ago. I don't know about actually having the tune to this song there because there's not an instrumental version of it. Uh, so I think we're just going to do an acapella and it'll be fine. Well, obviously, sure. But I mean, that's music. So Yeah, it's, it still counts. What are your thoughts on New Hampshire independence? We're going to tell you what the other side, what the people who don't support independence are saying oh, when we get mad. back. Oh, yeah, of course they are. 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160 if you'd like to weigh in. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria and Ian talking about the New Hampshire Independence Drive coming up in 
just two days, actually. Um, That's right. Coming up fast. In just over two days from now, um, I imagine you'll be sitting here on the air describing how it went. I hope so. So hopefully it's going to be good. There's a catchy little song that's going to be saying there. Um, it's go- We have no idea how many people are going to attend this thing. And that's one of the nope. parts that intrigues me the most is that it could just be the people from Keene and a few others. Not being able to use Telegram or any of these other communication apps like Wire. I know that's big in certain groups here. I have no idea what to expect from this. Yeah. No clue. So it's it's going to be fun to find out, and I I look forward to being you're going there for, right. I'm absolutely going. That's cool. Yeah, I couldn't pass this up. Nice. I intend to speak, but if I'm going to do that, I have to actually write out and plan out in advance what I want to say. And I think mm-hmm. I'm going to lean toward more of a hey, this isn't about whether what, how you feel about independence. It's about giving the people of New Hampshire this decision. You mean you're going to speak to the state yes. reps? Okay. So I'm thinking something along those lines. And if you're against this because of all of this fear mongering about how the U.S. government will just react violently. Then what you're describing is domestic abuse, and mm-hmm. no one should be advised to stay in an abusive relationship out of fear that the partner will escalate the violence. Right. Something written out to that effect that would sound better, Okay. essentially. Cool. Because I know a lot of people are going to get up there and talk about why secession or independence would be a good thing, and I want to redirect their attention back to what this is actually about, which is allowing the people of New Hampshire to make that to determination. Yes. yes. I think there are going to be some people who will focus on that and remind these state reps because they're very confused. Yes. You know, the state, these people are not professional legislators in New Hampshire. And that's a good thing, ultimately, because we don't want lawyers running for legislative office. Like that's a, that's a problem in the other states out there is where it's an actual being a legislator is a full-time job and they get paid and they've got staffs and they've got you know people that answer the phones and all this stuff. In New Hampshire, they get paid $100 a year, and they get a small gas stipend. And they answer their own phone. And that's right. There's, there's, I think there's one secretary for the entirety of all the state reps at the, at the state house. That poor uh, person. Yeah. Well, they also will put their phone numbers on the actual state rep website. So some of the f- state reps, not all of them, some of them have their own home phone numbers listed or their cell phone numbers listed. So you literally can call these people directly. So you have the That's ability. Impressive. Yeah, you have the ability here to reach uh, state representatives in a way that you just can't do in most places where they're completely shut off uh, from the public, from you know the average person, and that that makes a big difference. But it also means that you know these people are burdened with a ton of different things to do for very little pay. There's 800 plus bills every single year that they have to you know vote on. How many of them have actually read all 800? It's impossible. It's no one could possibly do that. Um, so they rely on what other people say to them about these bills to decide how to vote. And that's why there's the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, which does the reading for the reps, basically. So Bonnie was just learning about their system. They've got like an online system. And this is something that supporters of of freedom and liberty and the activism here in New Hampshire can do without living in New Hampshire. So if you're wondering one way that you can help what we're doing here, you can become a bill reviewer. Uh, for the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, if you actually like to read government you know, legislation. There are people that like this. And so you, they, re- they read as many of the 800 bills as they can, and they determine, well, is this bill pro-liberty or is it anti-liberty? And they, Lord, I couldn't even re- re- get through the 800 descriptions of the bill. It's hard. It's hard to do. But that's why they're crowdsourcing it, right? Like right. They get multiple people to come in and do this. And so then they come up with a review for the bill. Um, other people can review the bill as well, so there can be more than one review on the bill. And anyway, they seems like uh, that would be a good thing. That way, you don't have you know like 
hardcore staters coming in voting, yeah. hey, yeah, this is totally for liberty, and it's really like, let's increase the police departments by 200%. Right. I think there's some kind of check on who can actually do this. Like, you can't just be some average status to work for the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. I don't okay. know how they, you know, verify that, but they're, they have their ways. Presumably, if you give them money, they probably presume you're, you're decent. Uh, but, that probably helps. But... Uh, Anyway, they they review these bills and they come up with what's called the gold standard. And it's every week there's a sheet of paper front and back printed on you know yellow gold paper, uh, black and white printing that they hand to all 400 state reps and all 24 senators uh, when they walk in to go and vote. When they go to the big session where they all come together and they vote on whatever bills are up for that that week. And it gives them the recommendations from the Liberty Alliance. Now, those reps also get recommendations from their party. So the Republicans get a, a Republican Party Naturally. rep. Naturally. And the Democrats get the Democrat. But there's also the Liberty rep or the Liberty uh, ratings, if you will. And so some of them pay close attention to that. They will vote based on what those things say. So Well, my- it's got to be rough being a politician in New Hampshire because there's also a legislature grading thing here in New Hampshire. That, where the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance also does that. It's the same organization mm-hmm. where they go through and they rank or they rate every single representative and senator on how good or bad they are on liberty. Correct, and yeah. In New Hampshire particularly, it's got to be bad to be like the worst rated state representative for liberty. We've got some of them in Keene. I believe it. And the, and two of them are commenting on this uh, this story. You want to get into it? <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. So this story from the uh, Keene Sentinel, which so far, I believe, has given the most coverage to this independence thing. And they, they have. They've written at least two feature articles about this, and this is their second one. So in the first article, which was about a month ago, they tried to interview Matt Santanastasa, who's one of the sponsors of the bill. He's our our rep here. The the night we call him the nightcap rep. I don't remember the details. Did they try to interview him, or did they? They tried, and he didn't respond to the, uh, okay. to the request. This time he did respond, so they actually have some comments from him. Uh, anyway, they say he's Matt uh, Ringe Representative Matthew Santanastasa is under no illusion about his chances of winning broad support in the New Hampshire Legislature for a proposed constitutional amendment for New Hampshire to declare independence from the United States. But the Republican lawmaker thinks the idea has merit and is worthy of serious discussion. The measure, CACR 32, gets a public hearing on the afternoon of January 20th, that's this Thursday, before the New Hampshire State House uh, State Federal Relations and Veterans Affairs Committee in the Legislative Office Building in Concord. Quote, there was a massive base of people that were really asking me to put this bill in for secession, he said in an interview, saying further, quote, as a first-termer, I don't really know the ropes yet, and Representative Mike Sylvia said he would do it with me. Unquote. Now, Sylvia is a longtime supporter here of Free Talk Live, great liberty activist. He's, I think, on his fifth term in the in the state house. So he's- he seems like a cool dude, and he's successful in that. Despite being willing to support things like New Hampshire independence, he is still being reelected in his district. He's the at one at, at one point, I think maybe two or three years ago, he was nominated and and won the award for top liberty rep. So you were mentioning the ratings that they give to the the four hundred and. Uh, state reps and the 24 senators well somebody has to be the best of the 400 and mike sylvia was the winner of the you're the you know you're the top the uh, the number one liberty rep for that year so he's definitely got his chops when it comes to 
being consistent for liberty. Yeah, he put in a lot of work to help get this off the ground, and it it, it wouldn't be where it's at today if it wasn't for his help. So, Mike, Sylvia, if you're out there listening, thanks for that. I look forward to seeing how this develops with you. Coming up, we'll tell you how the opposition feels about the bill. Yeah, because they're not happy. We're threatening to take away their big, powerful government, and Mm -hmm. they they hate it. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved, to stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down, and to put you in control of your own happiness so you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to join us, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria and Ian. And as we've been telling you what's going to happen for the last, you know, five, six weeks, we've been suspended from YouTube yet again. I don't know why people continue to watch us there, never knowing if we're going to be there from one day to the next. And it's obvious, just looking from the restream chat tonight, Mm -hmm. that we've been suspended from YouTube because it's normally just flooded by like the same five or six people. Yeah, yeah. Nothing coming from YouTube tonight, and that's because we've been suspended again. I haven't even bothered to look and see why we were suspended because it's so immaterial to oh, me I, I at did. this point. I, it was last week. It was the uh, the show with you, me, and Conan talking I, about <laughs> the... Uh, the Conan comes back for the first time in two months and we get suspended from Mass Psychosis. It was the yeah. Mass Psychosis show. That's sad. Quote, unquote, that, medical misinformation. It's always medical misinformation. So mm-hmm. stop trying to watch us there. Instead, you should be watching us on Odyssey, where we don't have to put up with this nonsense. We can say whatever we want, and we do say whatever we want. You can find our channel there at video.freetalklive.com. There's more than a million disaffected, disaffected, yes, that's correct, YouTube channel content creators who have migrated to it, or may still be uploading to YouTube when they can, like we do, but check it out, video.freetalklive.com. If you want to have a place where you can watch us every single day, no matter what. That's at odysseyvideo.freetalklive.com. The uh, usual YouTube haters have migra- re-migrated <laughs> over to the Odyssey chat, which I, I'm looking at right now. And uh, I love it when they call us late for starting after 7 o'clock. <laughs> we do that on purpose yeah. so that the show doesn't start with six minutes of ads. The reason we start after uh, 7.06 every night is because we are a radio show. Oh, they, they, they don't understand that part no, of it? No, they don't understand. They, they, they just... They don't, they don't really want to understand these things. <laughs> they don't really think really hard. They don't ask. They just jump to conclusions. But for those that were wondering, the reason why this 7 to 10 p.m. show starts at 7.06 is because on broadcast radio, they have something called a news break at the top of the hour. It's every news talk station has this. 
Uh, so if we don't start after 7.05 or 7.06, then we won't be on the air on talk, uh, news talk stations. And this, this show is primarily a radio show, so we have to format our show for radio. It amazes me that someone could be that ignorant. I, I was like maybe five years old when I realized that The Simpsons coming on at 5 o'clock didn't mean that The Simpsons came on at 5 o'clock. Mm. It came on at like 5.03 mm-hmm. or something like that. So this concept being applied more globally to radio is just obvious to me. I, I don't know. Maybe some of these people have never listened to the radio. If they're a young person. Have they watch television? Because the same thing know. exists there. Kids these days. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> I never. It never even occurred to me that that's what these people went when they said we're late as always. I thought they meant, oh, we didn't start <laughs> They just start think the- we're slackers. <laughs> <laughs> wow, those uh, poor people. Yeah. Speaking of poor people who are upset about things and who... Feel the need to express that outrage. We're talking about the the statists. I think you said two of these state reps are here in Keene, yeah. weighing in on the proposal for New Hampshire to have a constitutional a ballot to see if New Hampshire should declare independence from the United States government. Yeah, and there's a story over the Keene Sentinel, which is the local newspaper here in Keene, New Hampshire. It's apparently one of the oldest newspapers in the United States, founded in the late the 1700s. Sentinels? Yeah, wow. it's founded the old, old newspaper. Um, they're still in business, and they're reporting on this uh, independence initiative, this ballot measure that if it's passed by the state representatives and the state senators, there has to pay has to be a sixty percent margin in order to pass this through those uh, those legislative bodies, which is not an easy thing to do, especially when they don't actually read it and they don't understand what it is that they're voting on. Uh, I have a question about this process. If the House approves it, votes 60% yeah. or more, does it then go on to the Senate? It and does. Are there public hearings for that? I would there ass- would be. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Even for the Senate? Okay. Correct. Uh, so, Matt Santanastasso, who's one of the good guys, he's one of the sponsors of CACR 32, which is the New Hampshire Independence uh, Ballot Initiative, which would be a constitutional amendment were it to pass. Santa Nastasso said, quote, I'm not going to it's not going to pass, but I did want to represent the sentiment of people who've been asking for this for over a decade, he said. Representative Amanda Toll from Keene, who's a Democrat. I don't Democrat, know that I necessarily agree that it's not going to pass either. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm open uh, minded about this. I do believe that it could pass. I would not go so far as Matt is going. But then again, I'm not in the legislature three days a week like he is. I mean, That's he's true. literally surrounded by these people. And so he might have a better feel for what they're going to do. We know that the uh, officially the Republican quote unquote leadership is against this, right? Because well, I'm not surprised. The political machine is against independence the political machine supports the united states government and so we've got to get through that somehow and unfortunately the so-called democrats who supposedly support democracy are shockingly against the democratic process in this case amanda toll who is a representative from Keene, who's on the committee by the way that we're going to be speaking in front of so she's on the the very same committee that's hearing this bill on thursday good more keen people showing up to concord called the uh, proposal ridiculous quote this bill represents a problematic dangerous and deeply flawed right-wing ideology that presumes that government is fundamentally bad she said in an email saying further it is my hope that the new hampshire legislature will reject this reactionary bill which would lead to chaos and anarchy there's so there's so much to unpack in there <laughs> oh yeah we're gonna have to back up at first this is the first time in a really long time anyone has mischaracterized 
essentially me as being right wing. Mm, well, she doesn't know that you're involved. Well, she'll know that Thursday. <laughs> right. Uh, now I have to find a way to work in there something about definitively not being right wing. I'm going to have to put a considerable amount of thought. Into Do I it. look right wing to you? <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. <laughs> well, the other thing is in uh, in New Hampshire, you can also, like I said, these people are fairly easy to access. Like even if you didn't want to call her, you could probably pull her aside after the hearing or before the hearing and introduce yourself to her and, you know, talk to her just one on one about how she feels about this. Oh, Amanda, I saw your comment in the Keen Sentinel and you know, I was hurt that you consider this a right-wing issue or whatever, right? right? Like, however you want to approach it, you could have a one-on-one conversation with these people in most cases. Like, it's very unlikely that she would push you aside and say, I have somewhere to be, you know, because sure. it's just not how they do things here. Unless New Hampshire. Yeah. She also said that it it pr- puts forward this idea that government is fundamentally bad and doesn't talk about at all that government is bad. No, but government is fundamentally bad, and that a an elected official anywhere in the United States could dispute that idea is disgusting. The United States was founded on the idea that government is fundamentally evil. Well, these Democrats certainly don't agree with that. They believe government is a valuable tool to helping people, to helping the poor, to helping the hungry. Uh, and the sick, and so on and so forth. They believe that government is good, and that's where they're uh, not just her viewpoint, but the other guy that we'll uh, we'll read a quote from here in a moment. They, they 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 really do believe that government is a tool to help people. That's what they think. Yeah, well, that's because they're tools, sure, and they're being used by the government to exploit and disempower and oppress people. She also said that it would lead to chaos and anarchy. That's right. Yeah, I would love for it to lead to anarchy. But anarchy and chaos are not synonyms. That's how she's using it, though. As most in the mainstream media tend to use the word anarchy, they mean, you know, bomb throwing. They mean destruction. They mean chaos. Why would it lead to bomb throwing and riots and destruction and stuff? I I want... I might have to send this lady an email tomorrow. Can you please explain your positions on this to me? Because as as a voter here in Keene... I'm tremendously confused why you think that government is, A, not fundamentally evil, and... Why the secession bill would lead to chaos and anarchy and riots and well, brick throwing. and What the secession bill would lead to, if it were passed, is a vote. Yes. That's all it would do. And that's the thing. These, these state reps do not have any idea what the, the bill is doing. They think it's an How actual— How could they not read it? It's so short. It's so simple. <laughs> they, they think it's an actual, like, if they pass it, that that would mean that it's secession time. No. If they pass this bill, it simply goes on the ballot for then 67, you know, two-thirds uh, of the voter population has to then vote for it in order to pass. And that—that's—it's got a lot of steep hills in front of it. And even if like, it does, that's not anarchy. Yeah, that's exactly. Government. It's getting rid of the federal government and creating a freer place. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160 if you'd like to weigh in on New Hampshire independence or Texas independence or California independence or whatever subject you want to talk about. 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And we're talking about this Keen Sentinel article. Normally, we don't really talk about stuff that the Keen Sentinel writes about because they're a local newspaper writing about local matters. but. Sure. 
New Hampshire independence is kind of a big deal. Yeah, and, it is. And it's very important to us. And the Keen Sentinel, despite all of their flaws, is sort of... They've given it more media coverage than anyone else at this point. I suspect that will change if it gets... I hope so. If it gets approved by committee and goes to the actual House. But at what point is the media going to start actually talking about this? It'll be amazing if the committee actually approves this. It's going to be a very interesting discussion on Thursday afternoon that if goes if it goes well, they're going to have to reschedule for another day because we're hoping to have enough people to pack that room to where they're going to have to open it up to another larger room because uh, by default they're in very very small rooms because there's usually no one that, that shows you know very few people will show up to these hearings and i so, think the, the capacity you said was 50 in a larger room there's 50 in a smaller room there's maybe a dozen or 20 or something like that so uh, it starts out in the smaller room yeah right? we'll start oh, out in the I'm, smaller room i'm confident we can get at least to the next tier i'm pretty sure we can <laughs> and then if it gets bigger than you know 50 to 70 people in the bigger room then it goes to the reps hall which holds 400 state reps but the average person then gets to sit in the seats that the state reps uh normally sit in pretty cool yeah uh so that's you know what we'd like to see happen and it is definitely something people need to pay attention to whether they're in new hampshire or not because this is the whole point of this is to start a conversation whether this thing gets passed through the committee ultimately doesn't really matter because any small group of state representatives can pull this thing to its own so like what happens is the committees will make a recommendation on a bill and then they'll recommend a bunch of bills for what they call the consent calendar. And the consent calendar is a thing that has holds a bunch of bills on it and then the, the state house then votes it up or down. And usually they vote, you know, do whatever the consent calendar says. So if the, the reps said this is a bad bill, then it'll die. If they said it's a good bill, then it'll go go forward. Uh, that's how I under, understand that. But any of these state reps can say, whoa, whoa, whoa. When they're in the, the full hearing with all 400 reps, they can say, whoa, we want to pull CACR 32 off of the consent calendar and have it have its own hearing in front of the full state house. That way it gets voted on separately. It's got its own discussion. It's got its own back and forth. It's got its own vote. And then they can demand a what they call a roll call vote, which is where they every single rep goes on the record. Instead of it being all in favor, aye, you know, just everyone sure. yelling, uh, then it's every single of the 400 reps is on the record whether they were for or against it. So that's what we want to happen. Even if it does die, we want to know who voted for it and who voted against it. And if we've got enough state reps who can back up those processes, and I think you only need like 10 of them, then those things can happen. Easy number to reach then. Yeah. Can't wait to see how all this plays out. And it starts, well, it continues that Thursday afternoon. Correct. So in the meantime, the story here from the Keene Sentinel, they're interviewing some of the state reps that are against this piece of uh, legislation, which, again, would simply put independence to a vote. That's all this bill would do. It would put it on the ballot. If it passes through the state house and the state Senate, it would go to the ballot in November of 2022 and then would require two-thirds to vote uh, in favor of it. But yet this one woman from Keene believes that it's uh, going to create chaos and anarchy and that she wants the legislature to reject the bill, which means that she's against democracy, right? The Democrats love to say how in favor of democracy people need to be able to vote. You hear that from Democrats all the time. It's all about people voting. Oh, not on this. They don't want people voting on this. Well, why is that? It's either because she doesn't understand what she's doing. I think it's probably that one. It's probably the case. Or she's worried that people would vote for this 
Because and if, that's not unrealistic. If she actually thought that you know people would vote for this, she would have the same reaction as she's having to it now. Right. Oh, these people. It's okay to let people vote on most things, but on this thing, no. They Whoa, they yeah. don't know the consequences. We have to protect them from us, wise rulers, the yes. ones who are cut from a better cloth. We must protect them from the consequences of their reckless actions. Now, Matt Santanastaso, he's one of the sponsors of CACR 32. He says polling has shown some public support for secession. A June survey by YouGov and Brightline Watch, which we actually talked about here on Free Talk Live, indicated that 37% of Americans, including 34% in the Northeast, because they broke it down by region, had a willingness for their state to secede from the U.S. and join a new union with other states in the region. Uh, and it was uh, 34% was the average, but it was actually uh, more Democrats in the in New England supported it than Republicans did. Now, in the South, more Republicans, way more supported independence than the Democrats. So it's interesting that a lot of Dems in New England actually supported that idea. Now, to be clear, this is where they would secede and join a new union. So the new union that was proposed would be basically be New England and like New York or something like that. It would at least be smaller. Right, and it therefore just a little bit more accountable. I don't want that to be the result it. of nope. this. But it does show a willingness to secede. It does yes. show that people are open to this discussion, even on the left. Well, uh, the United States of America as an idea, it's clearly a failed experiment. Absolutely. It has not worked. It's moronic from the very beginning that you're going to find this ultra-liberal person in California, and you're going to give them the same government as the extremely religious conservative in Mississippi. Doesn't make sense. It's it's fundamentally flawed. You can't put one size doesn't fit all and it never will. The survey polled 2750 people, so it's a good sample size. Cautions the results reflect initial reactions by respondents about an issue they were unlikely to have considered carefully. But Santa Nastaso, whose district covers several towns here in southwest New Hampshire, has given the idea ample consideration. He says that if New Hampshire were to become independent from the U.S., the state would retain its American identity. He said, quote, it's just about having a different political arrangement with the federal government, said Santa Nastaso, who served in the U.S. Army. Quote, it's not un-American to want independence. It's an extremely American thing to do, unquote. He's absolutely right. With the money that would be saved by not having to pay federal taxes, New Hampshire residents would cover costs now borne by the federal government, including in the areas of transportation and security. He said, quote, we don't need someone in D.C. to figure it out for us. We could figure it out here, he said. Some of the federal tax money has been paid by New Hampshire residents goes into the U.S. defense budget, and Santa Nastasso has a problem with that as well. He feels the military-industrial complex weakens the country. And the fact that he's former military and says these things is a strong position to come from, right? Because there's a lot of people right. on the right who are against secession because they love the military and they love the idea that the government's going to protect them. And a lot of them have never served in the military. Sure. It's just fantasy. Yeah. A uh, lot of the people I know who have served in the military, this isn't a universal truism or anything like that, they fall much closer to what Matt Santanastasso was saying. Yeah, because they've been there. And as he says here, quote, I don't know how a fighter jet is protecting me in New Hampshire. Nobody could ever articulate why we were in Iraq walking around giving people a hard time. How did that protect people back home? He said further, we pay a bunch of people to make machines that don't do any good except in blowing people up, unquote. Now, I, didn't I think the anti-war argument is a really, really strong one. Hey, guys, yeah. have you noticed what the American government has been doing for the last... 200 and whatever years 
I don't want to participate in that. I don't know about you. I mean, there's a there's a pro peace rally, anti anti war rally here in Keene, mm-hmm. like every, every Saturday, week. yeah. Especially when it's warmer. Those people should be 100 percent on board with independence. Okay, well then make peace with the Middle East. If that's what you want. Declare independence and make peace. Yeah, you're not going to change the federal government from the inside. The best play is to to say goodbye and do your own thing. Uh, to succeed as a constitutional amendment, the pros- proposal would require 60% support in the New Hampshire House and Senate and then two-thirds support by voters. Santanastaso said, it's hard to say how the U.S. government would react if the state were to try to secede. He said, quote, look to Brexit and see how that works out. Unquote. Well, the state wouldn't try to secede, right? If this thing actually passes on all of these different at all of these different stages, it secedes. That's the way it reads. There's no trying. It's immediately independent. I know some people want to deny that uh, it would work. They want to, you know, believe the federal government's going to roll troops in. But as he points out, they didn't roll troops into Great Britain during Brexit. No, they did not. The European Union has left them be. He says, quote, the idea that there would be an invasion or something like that is kind of ridiculous. We're living in a globalized world now. We're not really geographically aligned. If New Hampshire left the union, it could be treated like the American government treats Canada, unquote. And then we get to Representative Joe Shapiro, a Democrat from Keene. This guy's basically a commie. Oh, good. Uh, he said CACR 32 epitomizes anti-government and anti-democratic thought within the Republican Party. Quote, you know, it may seem like a joke to many people, but I think it represents a serious and dangerous trend in the New Hampshire Republican majority in the House. And I'll give you the rest of it coming up. So he thinks that allowing the voters to vote on a ballot measure about what they want to do is somehow undemocratic? I got news for people out there listening. Republicans are against this bill. Dem- the official Republicans are. Democrats are against this bill. Kind of makes me think this bill is a good thing. Mm-hmm. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today, video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Your calls and thoughts are welcome. 603-283-6160 if you would like to weigh in. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And these... These Democratic representatives, they are very upset that the Republicans within the state house have put forward legislation that would allow New Hampshire voters to vote on whether or not the state of New Hampshire should declare independence from the United States government. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that there's an argument against it. 
Uh, and I mean, not just an argument against allowing the voters to make the decision, but what is the argument that someone could put forward about why New Hampshire should actually remain in this union with the United States government? You mean besides the fear-mongering, oh, they're going to invade you and kill you argument? Yes, one that will hold up rationally. Like, this is what we actually benefit. This is what we gain from being in this relationship. Well, the Democrats that are being interviewed in this story from the Keene Sentinel are touching on what their argument is, and I will summarize it here. And we've still got another quote to come from the communist uh, Joe Shapiro, who's a state rep here in Keene. Um, but ultimately, they believe that bigger is better when it comes to governments and that a bigger government can do more to help people, right? Like they want to see people uh, who are in need. This is your common Democrat viewpoint is that government can help people who are in need. Government is a tool. It's better than charity, even though all the proof shows that charities are way more efficient and you know actually do care about the people that they're, <laughs> that they're helping. But regardless, for those that aren't paying attention – like a lot of the Democrats, to the actual results of government programs, they believe that governments help people, and so therefore they think bigger government means more people get helped. You know, I, I will give it to them that, in theory, governments could be used as a tool to help people, right? But the $400 million, for example, that Give Directly has raised, which they're using to give directly to families in need, if you get that same amount of money... To the federal government, mm-hmm. it would not buy even 10% as much because Probably. so much of it gets lost to bureaucracy or it gets mismanaged. Or you end up with the family in Kenya getting 18 cans of corn that they don't need or whatever. <laughs> give directly, by the way, allows us to skip all of that. It allows you to give money directly to families in Bamet and Khalifa counties in Kenya who are actually in need. And because of that, here at Free Talk Live, we're matching your donations to give directly up to thirty thousand dollars if you are if you use our campaign you can find it at give.freetalklive.com that's why i use them as an example because this is someone we know who has directly a private organization a private charity that has raised 400 million dollars to actually help people in need a success record that the government would be jealous of Mm -hmm. And that's not even including the fact that I don't have to worry about whether or not this dollar that I'm giving to give directly is going to be used to drop bombs on brown people in the Middle East. I know what it's going to. With the U.S. government, you don't have that. Every dollar you give to them ultimately is feeding their ability to wage war, to drop bombs, to murder, to wage the drug war, and do all of the other horrific things that the U.S. government is doing. You can't You can't just say, oh, well, it's a tool to help people. No, it's an even better tool at killing people. Yes, and don't forget that in order to supposedly help some people, you have to threaten other people in order to get them to participate. So when your means are corrupted, your ends are usually going to be corrupted as well. Excellent point. Yeah. And these people just don't get that. No, they, they don't really get don't. that for every dollar the government spends to help, you know, alleviate poverty around the world. They spend $100,000 on bombs. Well, and but, you know, individually, these people who support the federal government, if you were to talk to them during a Trump administration or during a Bush administration, then they would be more critical of the federal government. They would say, oh, things are being done wrong and this money's being wasted or, the you know, the Republicans don't care or they're dropping all these bombs. And now all of a sudden they're anti-war, even though they weren't anti-war when Barack Obama was dropping bombs. But regardless of their personal hypocrisies. They could certainly see some of the problems with how things are being done when the Republicans are running things because it's not their side. And unfortunately, they just can't be convinced 
that leaving the federal government is the best way to help solve some of these problems. And there was an interesting uh, statement from a guy who was a state representative in New Hampshire. He was actually from Keene. His name was uh, Joseph Stalkop. And he's a younger guy. I think he turned 21 while he was in office here in New Hampshire. Uh, wow, that and, is young. And he, he actually changed his political party from the Democrats to the Libertarian Party while he was in office. He and two of the Republicans, also younger males, changed from the, the Republicans changed from Republican to Libertarian. He was the only Democrat who made the, the flip. But it was interesting when he spoke about his reasons why, because I'm always interested in hearing why do people come on board with the Libertarians. Right. And we can use that to help bring more people on board. Yeah. And he gave a really interesting explanation, one that I had never heard before. So what he said was, is that, you know, people on the left, they want to help people. That's not to say that people on the right don't want to help people. That's just what the left is known for. Right. Like they want to use government to help people. But what he realized was that the constant transfer of power back and forth between the left and the right and the right and the left going back and forth, giving the right control and then the left gets control and then the right gets control results in whatever program was created that in theory could have helped people with the government could then two years later be completely undermined and cut out by the alternative, you know, whatever the other side is when they get into office. And then the reverse can happen four years later or two years later or whatever. So you never really know whether or not you can even count on this supposed government help. It might be there one day and then it might not be there the next day. Social Security may be there now, but it might not be there in 10 years, right? So like you can't really even know for sure. All you know is you're going to be forced to give your hard-earned money to this organization that may be pissing it away or whatever. It's also true that – I forgot what the the point I was going to make. Go ahead. Well, so it was interesting because you know, for those that want to help people, you're much better off giving to a private charity – who is doing things the way you want it to be done, whether it's Give Directly or whoever it is we're talking about, the Salvation Army or, you know, you name it, whoever your favorite uh, charitable organization is, you give to that private charity, they're not going to be undermined two years later by some sort of hostile takeover that's all of a sudden going to stop giving, you know, the, the Salvation Army isn't going to stop doing soup kitchens, you know, they're not yeah. going to stop giving people socks who are cold and giving them a place to stay. They're not going to stop doing that. That's their mission. That's what they've done for, you know, two centuries or however long they've been around. There's not some sort of concern that some sort of group is going to take them over from the inside. That just doesn't happen, right? So you're much more safe giving your money to these private organizations or forming a new private organization if you you know you aren't happy with the ones that, that exist. So he, he ended up seeing that government's like the worst possible way you could help somebody because you never really know if you can even count on them. That's an eye-opening realization yeah. for sure. Plus, with government programs... They may start out or they may be sold to people as, oh, this is going to totally help families, you know, Mm -hmm. by giving them this amount of money. But it ultimately is just harming them or it becomes something like the Patriot Act, which is, oh, we're just going to use this to protect you from the terrorists. And sorry for the people who believed that, but (laughs) it was obviously just used to create this massive spy net on American citizens. And that's that's what we knew was going to happen. But, oh, we have this new program. It's going to help people. It's going to make people safe. Well, same thing with COVID. COVID's supposed to, you know, the, these anti-COVID measures or whatever, supposedly about keeping people safe, when really it's about keeping people under control. Yep. So it just took the war on terror to the next level, basically, with even more controls. More it did. And the TSA is an even more obvious example. Oh, we're going to make sure we don't have any more planes hijacked. I'm sorry. 
the TSA isn't out there really preventing any hijackings. I don't know what they're doing. They fail when they are tested by their own red team. They're like wasting a lot of people's time. 90, 70 to 90% of the time they miss the red team tests. Like they don't they don't pick up on the bomb parts or the, the gun parts or whatever that their own red team smuggles through their checkpoints. I, I would hate to be one of the TSA agent red teams, though, if they did get caught. Like, mm-hmm. no, 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 stop. Don't don't shoot me. <laughs> Here's my badge. Guns, I don't think, do they? I don't think TSA has guns. I've never looked. I don't think they do. Uh, so back to the this story here about independence. And we got uh, Joe Shapiro, who's a state representative here in the Keene area. He is basically a communist. And uh, he's got a pretty ridiculous thing to say. And I'll share that with you coming up. I'm looking forward to it. So far, all of the state reps who have spoken out against this have had nothing but pretty ridiculous things to say about it. Yeah, they don't really understand the bill. They have no idea. No, 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in on it. Coming up, we're also going to be talking about a calf born with three eyes and four nostrils and why people are worshiping it. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, or you're invited to join us, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to weigh in. Again, that's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And today there was a hearing I saw on Court Listener for nobody's amendment to his bell conditions. I have no idea how it turned out. There was just a... There was? I, I believe so. There's a transcript available. No, I looked at that. It was uh, from July. Transcript from some hearing from his, his in July. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he has filed a motion to be allowed. I couldn't get the transcript when I tried. It said, Do you you have to be whatever. And I, was, I think I you have to pay a point. lot for a transcript. Uh, well, either way, I, I figured I could just ask someone and they would be able to give me an answer at some mm-hmm. point. But it just slipped my mind. He has filed to be allowed to be back on the show. We have no idea how it's going to go. But we're, yeah, they seem to think that if our friend nobody is allowed back on uh, Free Talk Live, that he's going to like spark some sort of violent revolution. That does seem to be the the intention behind. I, I did see that the government did not assent to the motion, which means that the government is like, no, no, this is that, see, we can't stand. The prosecutors this. have said, no, we don't want this to right. happen. They are part of the government, but so is the judge who is going to be making this decision. Correct. So, it's a very weird little system, but it's always important to keep in mind that, you know, the judge also is part of the government. But anyway, because of that, Bonnie has been going through some of his old videos that contain him and getting quotes. One of those is the right to keep and bear arms is, in a way, our most important right, because it's the way for us to fight back if the government violates our other rights. And some would say that that is the reason why that the U.S. government gang has not gone as far as, say, the Australian government or other government gangs around the planet, because we do have a relative gun freedom here. However, in these big cities like Chicago and New York City, they don't have much gun freedom. And surprise, surprise, those are the places with the vaccine passports. That's true. They're also the places with some of the worst gun crime. Yes, indeed. So it's almost like... Not only do does gun control not work, but also governments where there is gun control become more tyrannical. Yes. Weird how that works. Speaking of tyrants, though, we have wannabe tyrant. I think you said his name was Joe. Joe Shapiro, basically a comedy, uh, communist holding a Democrat seat in New Hampshire state representatives. Sarah would love him. She would. 
He probably doesn't know what communism is either. Oh, I suspect he does. I, I, I'm just putting him in that camp just because he's very, very far left. Okay. And that's what you get here in Keene, New Hampshire. Keene is the one of the most leftist cities in New Hampshire. It's uh, probably tied with Portsmouth, the other city on the, the coast. As uh, far as our, they're kind of like our sister city in, in that they're just as bad uh, as the, uh, the the state reps in Keene. That's but, unfortunate. But they're commenting about this bill uh, in the state house that is going to be heard on Thursday for the first time in, I believe, the history of New Hampshire. The people of New Hampshire will have a chance to speak about independence to these state representatives, and hopefully we're going to just bowl them over with large numbers of people uh, with their opinions on this. I'm, that's what I'm hoping for on Thursday. But meanwhile, the news media is reaching out to state reps to get their opinions. Uh, besides the sponsors who they've spoken with already, this is, uh, again, another state rep from Keene. It's the Keene newspaper that's doing this reporting. And they talked to uh, Joe Shapiro, who says, quote, You know, it may seem like a joke to many people, but I think it represents a serious and dangerous trend in the New Hampshire Republican majority in the House. I think it goes along with bashing public schools, teachers and unions, and really attempting to limit government in a very radical way, unquote. The proposal also shows the frightening extent to which some people are obsessed with personal liberty above all else, said Shapiro. Now, that's just a, that wasn't a quote. That was just a summary from the article of what Shapiro was saying to them. But then another quote from Shapiro, quote, it comes down to whether we believe in the common good or do we believe only in personal choice. No, the common good is an illusion. There's no such thing as the common good. You can't you can't help the common good. You can't hurt the common good. All you can do is help or hurt individuals. But the common good is an idea, and you're right, it is an illusion. Uh, but it's an idea that these people on the left, and I'm sure some on the right, pander to. They pander to this idea because they are the ones who get to decide what the common good is. When he says the common good, he means what we, those of us on my side of things, who want to force these programs on people who want to force you to fund all these different things you don't want to you don't want to fund or you may not agree with whether it be you know funding the police state or funding planned parenthood or funding you know you fill in the blank whatever the issue happens to be the people in favor of the state always talk about the common good over the idea of individual rights but well, they have to have convince to you you always have to ask who decides who decides what the common good is and even after that, make, they make that decision, the reason they do that is because they have to convince you that it's okay that they're stomping on your rights, that they're infringing on your rights, because they're just doing that because they need to help the greater good. They need to make, right. they, they need to hurt you to make everything else better. And a lot of people don't realize that you know, when they come up with these, oh, we just have to, I mean, it's going to suck for this group of people or that group of people or whatever group of people, but we have to do it for the common good. Eventually, you're going to be it one of those people that it happens to take it from the trans person here this whole you have to break an egg to make an omelet thing sometimes you're going to be that egg and you're not going to be willing to bash yourself against the bricks so that you can be made into an omelet so interestingly he's not actually addressing this issue at all right like in the entire quote no, he's that reading he, about free staters yeah well, specifically he's going against the supposed republican majority talking about how they're bashing public schools teachers and unions and attempting to limit government and so what he's suggesting here is that the federal government is in favor of the common good whatever the hell that means and 
The government is in favor of the government good. Yeah, the government gang is in favor of helping their friends and punishing their enemies. Whichever group of bureaucrats or politicians is in charge, whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats, they all play by the same rules. So he actually didn't say anything at all about secession in that statement. He just used it as you know a, a sounding board for his own personal politics. And that's unfortunate that the Keen Sentinel didn't catch this and be like, okay, that's, that's great. Can you comment on Hans, the bill? Yeah. <laughs> So finally, Dartmouth professor John Kerry, the associate dean of faculty for social sciences and co-founder of Brightline Watch, which, remember, was the organization that did the survey where 37% of Americans support secession uh, and joining a new new union of a smaller union, then uh, said the organization decided to ask survey participants about secession to better understand the public sense of exasperation about the functioning of American democratic institutions. The organization first asked the question, and here's an inter- interesting detail, first asked the question in a survey a year ago, and then asked again in June of last year. Support for secession did not wane. So the numbers didn't go down from one point to the next. So it wasn't like a fluke, right? Like you, okay. you couldn't say That's this encouraging. one. Yeah. Uh, Kerry said he was surprised by this and the percentage of people who expressed support for their state leaving the union. He said, quote, talking about secession is a radical proposition. So I take this as a pretty strong signal that people are frustrated with the performance of democratic institutions in this country, he said. The legal ability of states, now back to the story here, they say, has been questioned by scholars to secede. The U.S. Supreme Court found in an 1869 case out of Texas that the United States is a, quote, indestructible union, unquote, from which no state can secede. In a 2006 letter, then-Justice Supreme Court uh, Scalia said the matter was clear. If there was any constitutional issue resolved by the Civil War, it is that there is no right to secede. Solving constitutional problems with violence sounds like a reason to break up with the federal government to me. But what do you think? 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to weigh in, share your thoughts and opinions, 603-283-6160. If you would like to do that, that's 603-283-6160. We tonight is Aria and Ian. And I want to tell you about Bitcoin.com. If you don't already know about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, head on over to Bitcoin.com. Click Getting Started at the top of the page. Take a few minutes out of your day to watch a few videos and learn the basics about this important world-changing information that... As we've been talking about, it's probably a better tool for ending the wars than New Hampshire secession would be. Bitcoin is a powerful mm. tool for liberating people financially and defunding the evil things that governments around the world are doing. So check it out at Bitcoin.com. They also have a news site at news.bitcoin.com. If you just want to stay up to date on all of the news and headlines that you know affect cryptocurrency and affect your world... That's news.bitcoin.com, all on a sleek, easy-to-use modern website. We Let's go to the phones, though. We have Turd Ferguson calling. Turd, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, hey, how's it going, guys? So the reason why I'm calling tonight is because um, I wanted to talk about this new, the new pandemic, the post-pandemic, the pandemic that's coming after the coronavirus pandemic. Because, you see, over the past few days, the government has been blowing massive amounts of copium to try to cope with the fact that the corona, that the Omicron variant will, will inevitably spell the end of the coronavirus pandemic. And they hate it. They hate it. 
They can't stand it. So they're already trying to spread a bunch of new fear-mongering porn with the new H5N1 virus, um, which is all over the news as mm. of uh, about, about 20, 30 minutes ago. And uh, there's only a few cases so far, um, and there's only a few cases every year uh, of a similar virus. But, but because they know that soon the people of the United States of America are going to make them give up their power, they are really butthurt about it, and they need to start a whole new pandemic all over again. And that new pandemic is the H5N1 pandemic. Okay. I'm seeing now that what you're talking about, there are a lot of news articles coming out recently about H5N1, uh, but I don't think it's going to work. If that is their plan to make people afraid with the new pandemic. Uh, it's a be- bird flu. Because it's the bird flu, and America has already gone through that and rolled their eyes and carried on with their lives. Yeah, well, try telling that to the libtards who have been trying to keep us locked down for the past two years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to care. As a matter of fact, there are some of the libtards out there that are going to hear about this H5N1 pan- new pandemic coming along, and they're actually going to be happy about it. As a matter of fact, I would put money on the fact that they are actually going to be happy about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, there's a crazy group of people out there that seems to just live for this next pandemic so they can just keep living in fear. And there's like this whole um, there's like a mentality of people who just want to stay locked up. They're afraid of people with unmasked faces. There's a real level of crazy out there over this. Thank you so much for the call tonight, Chard Ferguson. I hadn't seen anything about H5N1 prior to your call, I think. Trying to make the next pandemic of bird flu won't work for them because, as, as I said, America's already been through that, rolled their eyes, went about their lives. I just don't think bird flu is going to strike up the fear that it did back in 2006 or 2007, whenever it was. We also have Sarah on the line from New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, yes, uh, yes so uh, New Mexico, this year, we killed 99 pedestrians. Sarah, why did got- you kill 99 oh people? Well, we didn't do it, but the crazy drivers have. Okay, so, oh. okay, so, so you didn't kill anyone. So- oh, thank goodness. Well, you no, said I we, so you understand, you understand why I was confused when you said we killed 99 pedestrians, right? Well, I mean, I'm talking about state of New Mexico. So that they Do you feel like call- you are the state of New Mexico? I wasn't sure whether or not I wanted to go there with her. I'm glad you did. <laughs> well, I, well, I'm I'm part of. I've been living here 22 years, so yes, I am. I'm part of New Mexico. No, no, no. Um, not I'm are you part here. of New Mexico? Are you part of the state of New Mexico? Well, of course, I've been a voter here since the last 22 years. I've been voting for uh, the counselors and politicians. I've been calling and lobbying. So I'm I'm definitely part of it, and that's the reason why I'm bringing this up because we have we're going to have the so-called Vision Zero. So this Vision Zero means that they want to have zero fatalities, which is kind of funny for mm-hmm. Albuquerque. But it started out in Sweden. I was told them all. It's this Vision Zero. You know, when you say zero fatalities, in- you mean road ra- road related fatalities, because obviously people are going to die in other ways. Right. Right. That's correct. Okay. So this this actually started in Norway or Sweden, the so-called Vision Zero. So they want to improve um, the intersections or street designs, 
And the most important thing is they need to they need to uh, curtail the driving behavior. You know, well, they could I'm do really, that if really they just con- locked everyone up, right, Sarah? They could just put everyone in lockdown at all times and not allow them to drive anywhere. Wouldn't that solve the problem? Well, you know, I do I do agree with you about the the bonus incentive program, the positive behavior. I wish that good drivers Sarah would get some gift cards. I, I, I you have know? to interrupt you that, for a second, like though, because. I became curious and I looked into what is Vision Zero and I mm-hmm. looked into the Vision Zero network and Albuquerque, New Mexico is already a Vision Zero city. Oh, okay. And it yeah, didn't work. Is that why we have 99 fatalities? What that, I'm telling you... the vision of zero. The vision of having a zero person that kill 99 Yes, but Vision people. Zero, the idea did not work. They've already implemented it, Sarah. Well, the thing is, they want to add to it. They want oh, to do maybe so spend more, more money. They want to spend more well, money. Look, here's the thing. It doesn't matter what kind of things they do to change the roads and add stoplights or add you know, yellow lights or whatever it is that they've got planned. You cannot stop people from making stupid decisions. And there will always be people who are not paying attention on the roads for whatever reason. Maybe they're arguing with somebody in the back seat. Maybe they're fiddling with some sort of an electronic device. Maybe they're putting on makeup. Maybe, you know, they're eating a Big Mac or whatever. Somebody's going to be distracted. They're falling asleep. They didn't get enough sleep the night before. There are so many reasons why people are distracted. No amount of road signage is going to make a difference. Sarah, this Vision Zero thing is just absolute nonsense. Do you know what it takes in order for a city to be a Vision Zero community? All they have to do is set a clear goal of eliminating traffic deaths within 10 years or some explicit time frame. They don't have to actually meet that goal. They just Mm -hmm. have to set it. The mayor has to declare that it's a Vision Zero city. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much it. it. All right. Well, there you go. So it's not going to do anything. And it's already a Vision Zero city. Maybe they have some new new mechanism that they want to try out in Albuquerque about eliminating pedestrian fatalities. But... I don't see it. Oh, I thought happening. they wanted to. It was it only about pedestrian fatalities, or is it about all driving fatalities? Well, those are just the pedestrian fatalities only. Mm. But well, if we included all the people that got killed in the freeway, the cars, mm. uh, everything else at all, it might come out to be about maybe 350, 400 people killed in car wrecks in our state. That's the usual average. Maybe even 600. I don't know if they tallied everything up. You are correct, uh, Ian. Even, it's, a, it's the goal of eliminating traffic fatalities and serious injuries among all road users. Wow. Well, even how about the cars running to cows? How about that? They have a lawsuit against the state because the, the fences are um, broken and the, the, con, the cows, they wander off and they, they get into wrecks because of that. So that's another problem out here. So that... But you don't, you don't, you don't always say that you only want to, you should always penalize the speeders that cause an accident. But you know what? It's too late. After they kill somebody, what good is a $100 speeding ticket? That's my argument. You better. Well, you're cut, not, you know, you're not get, giving get, someone who just ran over someone a speeding ticket. You're arresting them for vehicular manslaughter. Yeah, but I'm, 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 I want everybody to get a speeding ticket because out of the people that speed, there's going to be one that's going to run into somebody's house. And hit a kid sleeping in the bedroom. You know what I mean? That's that, that How has is this guy going? It could happen. <laughs> Thank you so much for the call tonight, Sarah. It could happen. I, I don't want to see everyone has. ticketed. You know, if someone drives their car into someone's house and hits some sleeping kid in his bed. Studies have shown, actually, if you get rid of road signage, people drive safer.
I'm not at all surprised to hear it. What are your thoughts? 603-283-6160. If you want everyone to be ticketed, 603-283-6160. Yeah! It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to join us, share your thoughts and opinions. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. If you want to weigh in, you are welcome. We've been telling you about how Intercoin can help any business and organization launch their own currency or raise money using their own token. Well, now Intercoin has launched this investor token worldwide, so for the first time, it's available on an exchange. You can create an account at xmarkets.com. That's exmarkets.com. With just an email address, which means you can actually keep your privacy intact. You can deposit dozens of different cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, trade them for Tether, and then use those to buy ITR, which is the Intercoin Investor Token. Learn more about the Intercoin vision at intercoin.org. That's I-N-T-E-R coin.org. You can also, or if you want to use a different exchange, you can find their link to Uniswap, where they're also at all at intercoin.org, I-N-T-E-R coin.org. We have Richard calling from New Mexico. Richard, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes. Are you with us? Today is the Voting Rights Act, where the Democrats are are stating that democracy is under attack. Uh, Democracy is not under attack. It's the Voting Rights Act that is under attack. And it isn't hard for most people to vote now. And instead of President Biden's call for unity, this country has become more divided. And the 5.9% cost of living raise that started this month that I got has more than is more than gone because of the inflation rise. And I am 71 years old and on a fixed income. And President Biden's rating is now at thirty-three percent. You're kind of starting to fade out there a bit, Richard. Richard, what was this cost of living raise? Was this something that you get from Social Security? What was that in regards to? Uh, I get. I'm on a regular Social Security retirement and a veteran's pension. Okay. And so the both of those gave a, a 5.9% raise? Yes. And was that something for the whole year, or do you get one of those things every quarter or every half a year or whenever they feel like it? How did those come through? Uh, this 5.9% is for the whole year. My okay. my My total... Uh, Amount with the 5.9% went up $68 a month. Hmm. And on account of the inflation rate now that's at least 7% or over, uh, that 5.9% has gone wiped out. So I'm already in the hole. So they calculate this in January and then it has to carry through through the the entire year? year? Yeah. (laughs) They're really screwing you. they, they, They. they usually come out with the uh, cost of living rates the middle of October or November. So, yeah, we know in advance. So would, but, it, uh, uh, would it be safe to say that you're getting sent about $1,500 a month? 
Pretty close now, yes. And that's both, sorry, is that both Social Security and your veterans' benefits combined, or is that just Social Security? No, that's my combined. Wow. Yeah, and as you point price. out, because of the increases in prices, the the five point nine percent increase does does not cover that. Yeah, imagine no. having to pay rent and buy groceries with just fourteen hundred or fifteen hundred dollars a month. I mean, that's you're barely scraping by, right? Well, I'm I'm lucky. My house is paid for. Okay, that helps. <laughs> very very much. But you're still paying yes. lot rent, right? I think you mentioned before that uh, you're in a trailer park, so you're still paying lot rent and uh, the property taxes. Oh, I'm exempt from property tax by being a 100% disabled veteran, uh, but my my uh, monthly space rent is $350 mm-hmm. right now, but that could be changed at any time also. Yeah. Okay. So basically, you got after you pay the space rent, you've got about a thousand bucks spending money, and you're saying it's it's tough. You're saying it's tough to make ends meet. Uh, it is. Well, it's not in my case, really. But okay, great. With, uh, I imagine yeah, for a I'm, lot of people, it would be. Yeah, it would be. So you're just saying that the cost of living increase has already been eaten up, and you haven't seen any sort of. You know, you're not catching up. It's not helping you out really that much. No, I definitely am having problems uh, in moving up from my uh, the mobile home I have now to a better mobile home mm-hmm. or a condominium. No doubt about it. Richard, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, what about the Voting Rights Act thing? Because that's what you started out with, and I, I want to touch on that because I haven't followed this at all. I've noticed that discussions about voter rights and IDs, they've been more in the news lately than they have been in the last several months, but what's going on there? Are they, what are, what are people trying to do? Well, they're trying to, they're claiming a lot of people that this voting rights doesn't get passed. A lot of especially minority people are going to be prohibited from voting and that's a crock of malarkey. Yeah, it's it's outright racism. I I know what you're referring to now. Uh, this Voting Rights Act, which is going to require people to present IDs in order to vote in elections and things oh, like that. Oh, is this that. the federal thing where the federal government's going to take over state elections? I'm not sure well, about that. But, but when you hear Democrats, what what's that? Yeah, Richard? apparently that's what they're trying to do. The federal government will mandate or supersede states' voting rights. Yeah, that's a bad thing. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, and there's been a lot of concern here in New Hampshire about this thing because essentially the uh, you know the state constitution is, says the state handles voting here. And so this would, this would essentially undo our constitution, basically. This would be essentially an unconstitutional act by the federal government because it would violate the New Hampshire constitution. And there are a lot of people who are legitimately concerned about that. Um, I don't know where it currently stands. So I don't know if it has it passed. Do you know, uh, Richard? No, no, uh, they have two Democratic senators, uh, Senator Symbian from Arizona and Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia. They're opposing it, and they're Democrats, and the Democrats need both of these senators' votes to 
push this voting rights act through. So thank you so much for the call. Yeah, my hat's off to Senator Sandler and Senator Manchin. Hang in there, you two Democrats, because the Republicans are pulling for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for the call tonight, Richard. Uh, You raise an interesting topic and one that now I want to get into. So I did pull up a news article about the Voting Rights Act because, like I said, I hadn't heard anything about it. I thought it was just, you know, states pulling the whole... We need people to require IDs thing. I thought it was something like that. That was the reason Democrats opposed it or whatever, but no. Canceling a planned recess for this week, the Senate is set to start debating two measures today. The Democrats say would make it easier for all Americans to vote and would reverse efforts by several states to limit ballot access. Versions of both measures, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and the Freedom to Vote Act, have been approved by the House but face an uphill battle in the Senate. While all senators who caucus with the Democrats have expressed support for these two bills, under current Senate rules, it takes 60 senators to end debate and proceed to a vote. Mm. That's not a likely number to be achieved in the evenly divided Senate on an issue that has grown increasingly partisan over the years, which at least is good, I guess. It doesn't sound like... But, you know, whenever the government wants to do a thing, they always find enough Republicans who are willing to vote with the Democrats or enough Democrats who are willing to vote with the Republicans. So what would these things actually do? The John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, named for the late congressman from Georgia, Georgia, aims to reverse a 2013 Supreme Court decision that struck down key portions of some other Voting Rights Act. That law required several states with the history of voting rights discrimination to get preclearance from the Department of Justice for any changes to voting laws. The Lewis Act would restore the requirement and update the formula used to term, used to determine which states must get preclearance. So somewhere like Alabama or Mississippi with the history of voting rights discrimination, according to the Voting Rights Act of 1965, would have to get special permission from the Department of Justice to change their voting laws. It's ridiculous. The Supreme Court shot that down in 2013. So now Congress wants to try again and hope that it doesn't get challenged and struck down again. Well, it says here it would make Election Day a national holiday. It would have to uh, force states to allow early voting, allow voting by mail without excuse, and a few other things. Doesn't sound like a very good idea to me. When we get back, we're going to tell you what the Freedom to Vote Act also does. Oh, well, that is the Freedom That's to Vote Act, so there's about. nothing further to get into. What are your thoughts on this? 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to share your thoughts and opinions. 603-283-6160 is the call in line if you'd like to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. Coming into the third hour, we're going to be talking about how Kansas will stop its useless COVID-19 contact tracing. And the good news is that it's because people just aren't really interested in participating. So good on the people of Kansas for that. I imagine that's why they wouldn't even attempt one of these things here in New Hampshire. Can you imagine if they actually attempted to roll out some contact tracing app in New Hampshire? It'd be successful in Keenan Portsmouth, as you pointed out. But otherwise... The hardcore leftists. Yeah. Yeah. 
But otherwise, it would be just a complete failure with probably fewer than 30,000 downloads. No, it wouldn't even reach that many. Mm. It'd probably be closer to 10,000 throughout the entire state. It just wouldn't go over well. And apparently, that's what they're running into in Kansas as well. Also, well, they can't enforce uh, the government on people who refuse to go along. Right, like right. to some extent, it's true when you, when you say that government is a voluntary agreement between people. I mean, it's we know it's not ultimately because they're using coercive force. But the point I'm making is, if enough people don't go along to get along, the government can't do what they're trying to get get away with. I prefer to think of it as every government, even the the worst dictatorship, requires the consent of the governed. It does. And a lot of these people are just consenting because they're scared of not consenting or something. But, you know, if you stop consenting, they suddenly realize that, yeah, they can't actually do anything about it. But before we get into that, let's get to those. We have Talk on the line with us. Talk, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, great. What's Uh, on your mind? What are your thoughts on uh, uh, militia? And if New Hampshire were to separate from the union, what kind of militia would you all have? You mean when New Hampshire separates from the Union? Uh, what kind Before of militia? I move there. Yeah, um, I wouldn't have a militia. From, I have no need for one. From what I understand, New Hampshire actually doesn't have a militia per se. I believe they actually might be prohibited uh, in New Hampshire. I've, I've heard that rumor. I've never verified that for myself. But that, of course, doesn't stop people from training with guns in the woods here. So, you know, what is a militia? How do you officially define those things? That's true. There is already things like gun church and stuff like that here in New Hampshire, which is essential that it's people training one another to safely and properly use firearms and stuff like that. So, I mean, if I had if I in a free and independent New Hampshire, well, in an independent New Hampshire, if I had to call a militia for whatever reason, I'm calling the people at gun church. Actually, I guess I should clarify. I just looked it up here, and according to georgetown.edu, New Hampshire law makes it illegal for groups of people to organize as private militias without permission from the state. So I guess in a uh, independent New Hampshire, the state could grant a you know permission for some sort of a state militia in theory. Uh, although I think we'd be fine just doing our own thing, uh, you know, in multiple different groups with having a decentralized defensive force personally. But I guess it'd be up to the people that wanted to do that sort of thing. Thank you so much for the call tonight, Talk. Yeah, it certainly would be. And um, what is a militia necessary for? For for main, the fear of Maine invading New Hampshire or Canada coming over the border? Well, there's a legitimate concern about the federal government gang, I think. I mean, I don't think that they would uh, invade, but... It's possible that they could. So that said, New Hampshire does have a very large gun ownership per or per capita. A I believe it has the number one machine gun ownership in the United States per it capita. It does. I remember reading that. So there's a lot of privately held firearms here in New Hampshire. You know whether or not they're organized as militias. I think if the time came, I doubt that the federal the the new hampshire government would go around arresting people for defending themselves in groups of people speaking but of groups of people that's something that they could change i should also add that uh along with the new hampshire uh cacr 32 which is the bill that we talked about earlier in the show to uh put it to a vote to leave the united states to peaceably i should say leave the united states every 10 years on the ballot in new hampshire they put the constitutional convention question up for a vote and this just so happens to be the very same year that on like it's constitutionally required 
that this be on the ballot every 10 years and this is the year so whether or not there's a secession uh question on the ballot this year there will be a constitutional convention question so so if they say yes who who attends the constitutional convention who i don't know what the rules are in new hampshire it would be the new hampshire constitutional convention not the u.s right yeah i would be i now i'm curious to look into this because you can't just have state reps and senators doing it because that's there they would be the reasons that the constitution would need to be amended it would have to just be the people or something yeah. i don't know that's a good question maybe it is the state reps here uh, i can look into it but offhand i don't know but we're talking about groups of people now kansas will stop contact tracing for next month because it is useless as confirmed cases increase and the public becomes less interested in participating the kansas department of health and environment said tuesday this is something we all saw coming and of course we're in winter now and people are oh, infections are increasing omicron is in is on the rise and people just don't care. They are emotionally exhausted from being wound up 24 seven for the last 18 months over this nonsense. And they just can't do it anymore. The change takes place on February the 1st means, and it means people who test positive for COVID-19 will be responsible for notifying their close contacts about possible exposure rather than the government's tracing you down and notifying those people for you. If the person has been exposed at high-risk settings, such as schools or daycares, state or local health departments will contact the setting, which will be responsible for notifying close contacts about the potential exposure. So, evidently, if someone gets COVID-19 at school, the state or local departments will contact that school, and then it's the school's responsibility to do the actual contact tracing. Hmm. It's unclear. But I'm happy that people aren't participating, people aren't interested, as we enter the third year of mm-hmm. this pandemic, public health has to begin to adjust to the level of response to help alleviate the strain on the public health system, said some talking head of the health department. The pandemic is far from over as we enter the third year of this pandemic, she says. She also says it's far from over. But this step is a move toward managing COVID-19 as an endemic disease. You know, like we've been saying it was here on Free Talk Live for the last 20, 24 months. You mean like the cold or a flu, something that's been around for a long time and we deal with it? COVID-19 is a coronavirus, which is a cold. Mm -hmm. They evolved too quickly, as we've already seen in the last three years of COVID-19. There are a lot more variants that don't get talked about. There are thousands of these variants out there that aren't being talked about. Because you can't really even identify them very easily. Right, right? but you do have some dominant or some dominant strains like the Omicron variant or the Delta variant, and they have particular properties. Some people have said that you can't really, uh, they can't identify the actual COVID-19. They haven't isolated the disease itself. So I I don't know if they can or can't. Um, I mean, like the PCR tests have been called into question. A lot of people, there's like a lot of real big question marks surrounding this whole thing. Well, the PCR test, uh, the one of these departments of the government came out and said, oh, yes, as it turns out, it actually can't distinguish between the flu and mm-hmm. COVID-19. So, Which would explain why there was almost no flus reported in 2020, I believe it was. It was remarkable how yeah. the flu just simply vanished. And a lot of people would say, oh, that's just proof that all of these social distancing and the masks worked. <laughs> Okay, but then why didn't they work for COVID? Yeah, why are people still getting COVID? Why in the places where the restrictions are the highest, you're also still having incredibly high infection rates? 
It never made any sense. And as we've been saying, you know, it's going to be with us for a very long time. It's not going away as far as we can tell. The government's intrusions in our lives have to go away at some point. Why? People seem to be uh, enjoying being told what to do in a lot of these places. Because it's just not sustainable. I mean, tyranny isn't sustainable. And this level of tyranny with shipping containers hovering out there in the Pacific Ocean can't get anything delivered because there's one container already for every 19 Mm. trucks. No, one truck for every 19 containers has already been brought in. This level of economic destruction that was wrought by governments in the lockdowns during 2019, 2020, and 2021, it's just not sustainable. I hope you're right. 603-283-6160. I absolutely could be wrong, but there's a reason all of these empires ultimately collapse. They inflate the currency to pay for this nonsense, and they just can't inflate it forever. I think that's what we're going to see here. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You're invited to join us, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to weigh in. Again, that's 603-283-6160. And I want to say thank you to Cat Cooper, who was yesterday's amplifier, which means that Cat Cooper is a member of the AMPS program. You can find that at amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. Also, thank you to Carbage Man, who was tonight's amplifier. They're both silver-level amplifiers, which means... They're giving $5 per month to the AMPS program. That's what it takes to get you in. That's amps.freetalklive.com. It does come with a number of cool little perks like an AMP-only podcast feed. There's an AMP-only chat on the Matrix server. There's an AMP-only Facebook group. But really, if you join, it should be because you like the show and you want to help us reach a larger audience. You want to show your support. All of that awesome stuff. You can find that. That's It's just our Patreon, amps.freetalklive.com. We have Major Payne on the line from Michigan. Major Payne, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, good evening. Yeah, I was just calling in with some uh, remembrances from the road. I remember one time back during the Obama years when you couldn't buy a job around here, I had to uh, put together a trailer, basically put my life on the back of my truck and head out west to build shacks for all the oil drillers. So anyway, I'm out in Montana, and I'm in some little podunk town, and I run into this little bar that actually had a drive-up window. You could be too drunk to get out of your car, drive up there, get a six-pack of rum and cokes or whatever to go, and uh, just drive right off. It was amazing. They, would, they would sell you a rum and coke, an open container, while you're in your vehicle? <laughs> Well, they put a little cap on it, you know, so it wasn't <laughs> okay. technically open, I guess. But uh, I'm shocked they were yeah. even allowed to get away with that. There, there were, the last time I went through Arkansas many, many years ago, there were some drive-through mm-hmm. liquor stores and drive-through, but there were no, there were drive-through liquor yeah, we, stores, but no drive-through bars. Yeah, they, they we, were, we had we had we had a drive-through beer store in the town when I was a kid down below in Michigan. But uh, the other cool thing that I ran into, I think it was Circle K or the Corral or something, they had these giant gas stations that were like a redneck Walmart. You could go in there and get a cheeseburger and a 12-pack and a fifth and mm-hmm. buy some armament, munitions, boots, a butt warmer, whatever you needed. Hold on, Major Pate. You said they're a redneck Walmart? 
Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I call it. Walmart is a redneck Walmart. Yeah, what could be more redneck than? No, I mean, yeah, but we they don't sell panties, and oh, okay, you know, gotcha. I mean, I see. Okay, I understand now. So it's not quite a truck stop. It's a. It's an over. It's, it is a truck stop, a truck but stop. it's an over. It's a truck stop on steroids. Okay, and you can buy ammunition and stuff there. Yeah, ammunition, armaments, you know, things to shoot the ammunition. Wow, that's sweet. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much for the call tonight, Major Payne. I, I wish more people would get out there and see the United States, but of course, more, most people don't do that. They just sort of stay around where they were born their entire lives. Mm. There's some weird stuff out there, man, that you're just not expecting. Yeah, I enjoyed it. About a year ago, actually, uh, did, I think a year to today, I had just arrived in Texas to pick up Bonnie, and we were driving back to uh, to New Hampshire, and it's always fun to do a road trip like that, and you know, it can as, be fun. As long as you're with say. somebody that you enjoy, right? Yeah. The last road trip I really did like that. I had two screeching cats in the car that didn't make it oh, very man. enjoyable. Well, it, and it wasn't even that long of a drive. That was like yeah. an eight-hour drive, right? This was 50. We were in the car for like 50-something hours. Yeah. Can't have two screaming cats in the car for that, for yeah. sure. No, there was actually, since it was last year, it was during the whole COVID insanity. And of all the places that we stopped... Never had any issues with the exception of one gas station uh, that was in, like, I think it was northern Ohio or somewhere in western Pennsylvania or something like that. And I had gone into this gas station and it was, you know, I was hungry. I grabbed like a donut or something like that and uh, milk from the the refrigerator and went up to the counter to pay for it. And they told they started to hand me a mask and they said, you need to put this on, sir. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm I'm exempt. They said, well, then we can't we can't serve you or something to to that effect. So I just left the stuff on the counter right in front of them and said, okay, and uh, walked out. Here's your donut back. Now you have to throw it in the trash. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because I just set it on the counter. Right. Well, I mean, generally you would want to throw it away because your customers handled it, right? True. Uh, Even though I put paper around it, I didn't touch the actual donut, but that's the rules, right? So, okay, bye. (laughs) That was the only time in the entire trip that uh, we had any issues like that. Yeah, I don't think I've encountered any issues, but I didn't really travel during the height of the pandemic like Mm -hmm. you did. But it's just interesting to see different parts of the world. Like when I was when I recently traveled to the south, my sister was concerned about me traveling back and there being snow all over the runways and stuff. I'm like, no, she was worried about the airline being able to land. Yeah, it's like New New England has been dealing with the snow for a very long time. There's. There's not going to be snow on the runways when I get there unless it's like actively snowing, in which case they'll direct us to a different airport. Yeah, I don't know if they heat the runways or if they just keep them real clear and salted. I'm not sure how they handle that here, but they seem to have it handled. I mean, it's a problem that they had to solve. So things like Mm -hmm. that are endemic problems to New Hampshire and to New England that they're like, hey, this is going to be an issue like the roads here. You know, we just got... And I checked parts of my yard. There were a solid six inches of snow. But the roads are completely clear today. And it's because New Hampshire knows these things are going to be problems. And it has ways of dealing with them when they when they arise. According to the Internet, airports do not have heated runways. But they do have heavy-duty snow removal equipment to clear snow and ice from runways in minutes. So they're out there cranking away. Uh, they have the financial incentive. They want to keep those planes coming through there. You know? Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Every single one of them makes airlines more money. Yeah. Anyway, uh, go away. U.S. face it. That's not what I was looking for. I remember one time I was coming back from some 
Bitcoin conference or Libertarian conference of some sort uh, back into Manchester. And we were literally coming back in a snowstorm. And, you know, if you looked out the window of the plane, normally you can see the wing or wherever you are. You happen to be. You can see something. You could not see anything out the window. It was just snow whipping by like heavy amounts of snow. And this this pilot of this plane uh, put that put that plane down in the middle of a blizzard, basically in the middle of a just a wicked snowstorm. And I normally don't use the term wicked, uh, but this one, it, it would describe it accurately. And the entire plane erupted in applause for him afterwards. It was a pretty epic landing. Nice. Well, I mean, with that much weight, it's probably manageable to land on snow. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I pres- it counters the lack of friction. I presume that they were still clearing the the runways, but just also the fact true. that he put it down, like it, rather than going to some other airport and landing or whatever, he did it in the middle. So these guys know what they're doing. They do. It's pretty impressive. The only time I've run into a pilot who I found questionable was when I ended up being held for like forty five minutes, forty five fifty minutes. All of us on the plane held up because a cart didn't have the right sticker on it mm, and pe- fda regular or F, uh, F, faa regulation in that case. yes and people are like no no that, that was just the excuse there was probably something wrong with the engines and they they didn't want people to panic once they got it fixed or whatever it's like no dude i was there i saw them will out the cart oh i saw the difference between the two it was just him sticking to faa regulations yeah. and it it cost everyone Stupid. on that plane 45 minutes at minimum of just sheer boredom wow When we get back, we're going to talk about a three-eyed calf with four nostrils being heralded as the return of Shiva, the Hindu god, 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, where your calls and thoughts are welcome. You can join the discussion, talk about what we've been discussing, New Hampshire independence, Democrats freaking out about it because they think it's a bad idea to let people actually have a vote on something. They they won't explicitly say that, but that's ultimately what they're saying. Or, you know, giving up on contact tracing, the H5N1, COVID doesn't scare people anymore. Whatever you want to talk about, we're here. 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in. Again, that's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And coming up, we're going to talk about a three, three-eyed three calf with four nostrils that was born in, I, I'm assuming, India. That's correct. But before we do that, let's go to the phones. We have Dennis, who is on the line from Bullhead City, Arizona. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, you guys. Good evening. Hey, Dennis. What's on your mind? Yeah. Hey, I wanted to thank you guys for your program. I really appreciate that you are talking about the COVID vaccine and the dangers associated with it and also the ridiculousness of the mask mandates. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, we do that. Yeah. I uh, I appreciate it. You know, anybody that doesn't understand that, you know, it's, there's a possibility, let's just say a possibility, that the COVID vaccines are very dangerous. And if uh, anybody would take a look at the CDC website, the 20,000 deaths associated with after the vax, it's terrible. When is the experiment supposed to be over? 
doesn't seem like anytime soon. I mean, they keep on cranking out the new booster authorizations and such. Israel uh, is now saying that four boosters, not four enough. shots, not, not enough, enough, right? Uh, and so then, you know, new variants is going to mean new boosters. And as long as people keep putting up with it, they'll keep shoving things into their arm and using them as human experiments. I mean, it's pretty sick stuff, especially when you start seeing stories about people in their 20s developing uh, myocarditis and pericarditis. I think I saw another like uh, athlete, these like like athletes, people who are in really good shape, have no reason to be unhealthy, having heart attacks on the soccer fields and things like that. I mean, it's it's wild. And yet some people keep excusing it. And like even the people who get their kids these vaccines and then their Dude, those kids, are the worst ones their kids will come down with something but yet the parent will still continue to justify it like oh well good thing they didn't catch covid even though they've got now like heart disease or something like that it's crazy i saw a clip on the news last night of parents lined up in their cars somewhere in the united states just waiting uh i don't know quarter mile half a mile long mm-hmm. to take their kids to get this shot and it's like it's not even necessary for your kids, and but I'm sorry, the mainstream media is what they do what they do. Yep. Yeah. Well, and it's also a religion as well, so they will feel as though they're heretical or whatever if they don't get their kids. Although I've got the shot, so I need to get my kids shot up. I mean, that's what the government told us to do, so we have to do it. Otherwise, we're bad citizens. I mean, even though there's well, I'm I'm happy not to be part of the cult. Indeed. Awesome. Thank you so much for the call tonight, Dennis. And it's particularly stunning because COVID-19 doesn't really affect children or people who are under the age of 18 or really people who are under the age of 30. might give you some sniffles, but you'll be fine. But that's enough of COVID-19. I I hate COVID-19. And I imagine most of the world feels that way. And that's why they're starting to now. So again, thank you tonight, Dennis, for the calls. I want to talk about this calf that was born with three eyes. Yeah. Because it's been floating around Drudge Report for the last few days, and I've just been sort of ignoring it because it didn't seem to interest me. But people are turning up to worship it and honor it as a return of the Hindu god Shiva. That, according to various different news sources about the three-eyed cow born in India, dubbed a divine miracle. This according to the Daily Star in the UK. The rare calf was born with an extra eye on its forehead. So if you imagine... You know, the, the cow's got, you know, got that ridge going up its nose, basically. The, the eye is kind of right in the smack dab in the center of that ridge. It's in line with, with its other two eyes, according to the, uh, the video footage that I pulled up here. Uh, I mean, maybe it's a little slightly higher, I guess, than, than the other two eyes, but mostly in line. And interestingly, when I was looking for video of this particular beast, I found footage from 2014 where a different calf... Uh, had been born with three eyes. So it's not entirely, you know, impossible that these things can happen. Although the other calf video that I found from 2014, the eye is clearly not fully developed. It, it can't really see it blinking. But the new one, it its eye looks like it's developed. It blinks at the same time as the other eyes do. So it, I would say this calf is a little bit more uh, fully developed as far as its third eye has has come about. They, uh, they are saying that it's a reincarnation of Hindu god Shiva, and it also happens to have four nostrils as well. Some residents of the village of Chhattisgarh in the Rajangdangdang district in India claim the three-eyed calf is a reincarnation of Viswanatha, a god known for having an eye on their forehead. 
A large number of people flocked from nearby villages to worship the cow, again, believing it was a reincarnation of Shiva, while the birth of the animal, which was born with three eyes and four nostrils, was linked with the Hindu god. A veterinary doctor has disagreed with the comparison. The calf born on January 14th attracted crowds of people who offered incense sticks, coconuts, and money as per the custom of the local culture. Some say the timing of the birth, which is just as the Hindu festival of harvesting, Makar Sankranti, is started, is no coincidence. The bovine's birth lent itself to locals who believe the arrival of the calf is of religious significance. I can't imagine how confused this poor cow is. Like getting a it, lot of attention. It's just sitting there being a cow and people are coming up to it constantly burning incense and probably petting it and doing other worship. Worshipping it, yeah. bowing down in front of it or whatever. That I mean, I realize it doesn't have the ability to to process information on that level, but it's it's got that's what its experience is like as mm-hmm. living in a as a cow on earth <laughs> is people All these burning monkeys incense. are coming yes. around. <laughs> what are they doing? Uh, speaking to hairless monkeys, I guess, to Indian news agency ANI villager Neil Kumar Verma said, quote, I've never seen any three eyed being. Only Lord Shiva had it. It is a divine miracle, an incarnation of the Lord himself, unquote. I'm curious why the veterinarian disagrees. Is it because these sort of genetic flukes just happen from time to time? Well, yeah. I mean, he's a doctor, right? So like yeah. the doctor's not going to fall in with the whole, oh, this is God uh, viewpoint. I, I certainly hope not. Uh, surprised by the strange birth, the owner of the calf said a medical screening of the calf had shown a clean bill of health, which is interesting. I, I do wonder, you know, a lot of time medical freaks in this way, they don't live as long, right? Like right. people who are born with, with or without certain things or too tall or too short, you know, they don't have the same uh, lifespans as average uh, people. So I do wonder if this cow is going to last. Uh, but he did say the, again, clean bill of health and so whether that means it's going to live as long as any other calf remains to be seen. Can it see out of this eye? That's an interesting question, and the articles that I've looked at don't get into whether or not they were tested in that way, but again, it does blink at the same time as all of the other eyes, and I imagine they could do an x-ray and and see if the thing's hooked up, right? Like if whatever the the nerves are that uh, hook the eye into the brain are present, then presumably this thing has... A very interesting way of seeing the world, right? Like, imagine if you had two eyes on the side of your head, because again, the cow's not a carnivore, right? So it's it's got the eyes on the sides of its right. head normally, but now it has one in the front of its head as well. Well, imagine how flies see the world, right? They, mm-hmm. Their eyes are segmented, so they see thousands of different versions of the world at once, and their brains just put them together. Yeah. So that can't be altogether. I don't want to really imagine what it's like to have, you know, a third or a fourth eye, though, because it's it starts to feel weird at that point. Like you're not a human being at that point. If you can see, I don't know, but you're right. It's going to be weird for the cow to turn its head to look at someone. And it's also looking above them. The doctor uh, said that such cases should not be considered miraculous as these things happen due to abnormal development of the embryo. I mean, that's generally how religion works, though. Something that is unlikely happens, and religious people say, oh, it's a miracle. It means something. And scientists go, well, I mean, statistically speaking, this was almost certainly going to happen at some point, and you just happened to be there when it did. Not really anything remarkable about it, but it does look like a third eye the way it's positioned on his forehead. So 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live.
It's Free Talk Live, where your calls and opinions are welcome. With you tonight, it's been Aria and Ian. And we've been talking about this three, three-eyed, four-nostrilled cow. The three, the yeah. three-eyed thing, it was difficult for me to visualize at first because you said it was on his forehead and I being a human immediately thought of you know human faces and where a eye forehead would be but with a cow the, their eyes are on the sides of their heads because they're prey correct and because of that the forehead eye ends up looking like it is in fact above the other eyes it's really interesting yeah. i've not seen any pics of the four nostrils though and I'm curious the, to the see the resolution what, is fairly low on the images that are there you can tell their video captures that's unfortunate case. because I, I would be interested in seeing that. But before we get back into anything else, let's go to Joe, who's calling from Elton. Joe, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, Ian. Hi, Aria. How you doing? Hey, Joe. What's on your mind? Okay. Okay. Uh, you're talking about India, and that reminds me of a joke. I hear there's a New Delhi in New Delhi where the live worse is the worst. Fred said that to Super Chicken in 1966. Sorry, we didn't have the rim shot ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I know it's a dumb joke, and I say it to my girlfriend all the time, and I'll be able to tell her, ooh, I said it on the radio. Uh, I was talking to uh, a couple of my uh, friends in Europe, and like Slovakia, Poland, and Hungary, they got that place, those places locked down. Eight o'clock curfew, and it's basically uh, nothing's running. It's uh, run like the uh, communists ran it when they lived there. Eight o'clock curfews in Europe? Yep. I haven't been following Europe very closely because Europe is almost as bad as Australia is for the most part. I mean, as a whole, Europe has has fallen, as far as I can tell. And I think the United Kingdom made the right decision to get out of there when they could. But Europe has been all about the lockdowns and the the ultra-liberal approach to this, which is lock people down, vaccinate, protect people from concerts and parties and having fun. So I'm not surprised yeah, well, to hear that they're locking down again. Yeah, well, Aveska said that uh, everybody's, uh, she's from Bratislava, and she said uh, everybody's uh, sick in uh, Slovakia. It's, you know, not everybody, but, you know, a great deal of the population is sick. Mm. And uh, it doesn't uh, really look good. And every, I, I, didn't, get, I didn't get the uh, inoculation shot. Me and uh, my girlfriend didn't get it. We do. I do herbal stuff to stay healthy. Sure. But like, like I said, I've, I, I think I called and told you guys before that with that shot, it affects your uh, RNA. That's right. And people are saying that, uh, you know, they could come up with some type of spraying there to kill a lot of people. And, you know, they could. there are also theories that people. they're using the RNA to reprogram people in some way, yep. shape, or form, and that exactly. each shot actually is a different uh, strain of RNA. I mean, how would we know, right? Like, how do you yeah. know what they're putting in your veins? Well, excellent points, excellent questions. You know, we, we don't have any way of knowing, and I'm not opposed to vaccine. When my, when my doctor found out that I wasn't vaccinated against one of the hepatitis ones, I don't remember which mm-hmm. one it was, she ordered me the prescription to be sent to, or the vaccine to be sent to one of the pharmacies around here, and I went and got it. I don't object to it. It's a normal vaccine, though. Yeah, and that was your choice on your own volition. There wasn't someone trying to, like, push that on you. You weren't lining up in 
uh, half-hour to hour-long lines where people are just doing it out of some form of semblance of religious fervor and obligation to their state masters. I'm not 100% sure on that because she didn't really like explain to me how common this particular version of hepatitis is or why I would want this vaccine. It was just a given, oh, you're not vaccinated and you should be. And me, being someone who doesn't want STIs, went, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, that's that's good enough for me. But she never... And I never asked, you know, why would I, why would I even want this? Is this a threat to me? Is there a lot of hepatitis, whatever, Mm. running around the United States? I don't know. But it was because this doctor in a lab coat recommended to me, and I did know enough to know that it's just a normal vaccine. I didn't object to it. But I also know that what, I don't even know how bad hepatitis whatever is. It was probably hepatitis B. It's the only sexually transmitted disease that has a vaccine to protect against infection. Okay. That, that would have been it then. Yeah. So I I don't even know how it works or what it does or or how deadly it is or how infectious it is or how devastating it is to have but I also know that I don't want it. And that's that's probably how a lot of people feel about COVID-19 now that I'm thinking about it. They 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 don't know how deadly it is. They don't know how bad it is. All they know is there's a vaccine against it so it's common sense to get the vaccine. Yeah, I don't buy it. Um, I don't, uh, you know, the things that you're talking about have been around for for years, decades, generations. Right. But to the average person, do they even under do they even understand or comprehend or know there's a difference? To them, it's just it's just another vaccine. I, I don't. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know how many of the people who are who are lining up for this thing understand what an mRNA vaccine is, are aware that this is an RNA modifier. Uh, that's a great question. What is the the level of knowledge of the average person who's receiving these? Or is it just, oh, someone told me I could go out again. Or someone told me I could, you know, go to the movies or go to a concert again. I want to get this thing. It's my pass for freedom, my freedom pass, you know. Whereas how many of them are true believers? They've, you know, researched it and they believe everything they've been told uh, about it. They trust in Pfizer just like they trust in God. Real quick before we end the show tonight, Israeli vaccine chief is admitting that they have made mistakes and that the the green pass, the vaccine passport concept is no longer relevant <laughs> in the Omicron era and should be phased out. Interesting. And he expects it to be phased out in short order in Israel. He, he and his co- colleagues strange. were surprised and disappointed that the vaccines did not prevent transmission as they had originally hoped. So what do they do? If they don't actually do what a vaccine is supposed to do, what they do are nothing, they? As far as I can tell, but that's the that's where the conspiracy comes in, right? It's like, oh well, maybe they do do something, and it's not what they're advertised. Now that's where well, the conspiracy comes in. I didn't get it, in. so yeah, it's not going to happen to me. Yeah, I'm not interested in it either. Yeah, here's another fun one. Since we're on COVID stuff, people wearing face masks, according to one study, are deemed to have been more found to have been more attractive. Than when they have nothing covering their faces. They asked 43 I guess women, this is true for ugly people? They're not saying that straight out in the story here, but uh, that's probably the case. The I mean, everyone, an ugly person is undeniably more attractive if you put a paper bag over their head. That, that's, <laughs> right. that's And if you can only see their true. eyes, right? Because then you can imagine what their face looks like. Yes. And you're more likely to imagine positively than negatively. They asked 43 women, not a large sample size, mind you. Uh, and this was Cardiff University, I think that's in the UK, 
Anyway, 43 women to rate images of men based on attractiveness. Pictures were shown with two different kinds of face masks, with a book partially covering their faces and with nothing covering their faces at all. Both the blue medical mask and a plain cloth mask used in the study and participants said those faces were the most attra- those faces wearing surgical masks were the most attractive of those and the people you know the maskies out there are just passing this thing around as though it's ah oh, see you need to wear no, a mask it's You'll a get response more, to fear you get more sex it's the same reason people put masks on their profile pics on tinder and stuff like that it's because they're, they're attracted to people who are obedient and who fall in line with them politically Ooh, and they signal yeah. that to one another by wearing masks and so that, that turns them on I don't even know to what extent they does, but they convince themselves that, oh, yes, I prefer this version of a man versus that version. I prefer like the person who was freaked out about people attending Zoom meetings, not wearing masks. Like, I prefer everyone to just wear a mask to make me more comfortable. That's right. all this is. It makes them more comfortable to see the guy in the mask. And they're going, yep, that's more attractive. We can't have that big, scary, maskless man running around. Did you see the footage from New Year's Eve, uh, Times Square, where somebody proposed to his girlfriend? No, but I feel Both like I'm about to masks, lose. And they kissed. Don't say with it. Don't masks on <laughs> i hate it i hate that i knew that was how you were going to finish that and i hate that it finished that way isn't it sad it's just and, and some people were theorizing that the whole thing was a setup and like it was all for show or whatever but regardless of whether it oh, was or it wasn't it sounds like it was a show all right yeah, it's pathetic that that is so their celebration of the proposal was to Rub their face masks together, mm-hmm. basically. As though they were kissing mm-hmm, through face face masks. And it's not the first time this has been shown in media, by the way. It's over the last two years, there have been multiple instances of people kissing with face masks on. And it's just so disgusting. Yeah, but disgusting. on New Year's Eve at Times Square, that's... Where everyone was required to be vaccinated and masked in order to gain entry. And where it's kind of hard to get into there in the first place. And yeah. significantly lower numbers got there this year. He uses They use this one opportunity... To kiss while wearing face masks. Yeah. Oh, that's distressing. Rant about it with us, post about it on our social media server. You can find that at social.freetalklive.com and we won't censor you. That's social.freetalklive.com.